All right. Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to uh, another episode of the uh, Don't Overthink It podcast, live from 1106 Studios. I'm your host, Dominican Johnny. Uh, is at work. I'm recording this one in, you know, kind of off hours. I usually record in the evenings, usually on like a Monday or a Sunday evening, 7 8 But this one's early bird, an uh, early bird one. So it's like around 10 30 in the morning. But uh, I got a special guest with me, a cat that I've known for actually, I've known him like off and on quite a while since like oh three, give or take. I was introduced to him by, yeah. yep, by Jay Miranda. Back, uh, you know, when I was doing my beat thing and I was running around with Dula and, and Blackston, um, a very interesting cat. The main thing I knew from him was that he boxed. That was the main thing I knew. And um, but he's also an MC, and I've never seen him with his hat off. That's one thing I can say. <laughs> I, I never seen you with your hat off. I never seen him without a, either a do rag or a hat on. So. You know what I mean? We, yeah, true we might, indeed. We might call true this indeed. episode. We might call this episode "Mystery Hairline" or something like. <laughs> just give it a <laughs> give it a give it a, a weird ass title. But, uh, ladies and gentlemen, my man uh, Wise, uh, welcome to the uh, welcome Wise to the Don't Overthink Your Podcast, man. What up? What's up, bro? Thanks for having me on, bro. Thanks for having me on. No doubt, no doubt. We um. We, we we linked up this weekend again when uh, Jay had a little housewarming, uh, you know, a little get together on Saturday, and we was talking about right, the pod. Right. Yeah, we was talking about the pod. I was like, he was telling me about his book, and then I remember IB uh, posted it, and I was all like, I didn't know if it was his or yours, and or joint venture or something, but he was he was promoting right. it, so I was like, oh well, shit. I was like, shit, let me help him promo. Let me, you know what I mean? Show my support, Linda. Yeah. Linda an extension. But so uh, name the book that you have out now currently. Uh, it's called Raw Ice. Okay. And what, you know, give us a quick little synopsis. Of, is it like a, a life story or is it like a, a fictional tale? Or what is it? What is it about? Yeah, it's, 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 um, it's a fiction work. Basically, okay. um, it's, it's a thriller. It's a thriller. Okay. Um, it's basically about a child that um, he he grew up kind of like. Well, the first thing he witnessed his his uh, parents get murdered when he was eleven years old. Okay. After after he witnessed the, the murder of his parents, he ended up in uh, foster care and facilities and things like that. But it was always this one guy that his mom, before she was murdered, used to warn him to stay away from. Ironically, this guy ends up taking him in and kind of like raising him like his own son. But the guy that took him in was like this notorious mob mobster. Okay. So this kid ends up going from seeing um, pretty much being an innocent kid and evolving into this grown man that becomes this like totally different person than what his humble beginnings were about. Got it. And a, a lot of it is like I have some of my own life intertwined in it, of course, because with every author, yeah, there's always I believe of that, them. yeah, yeah, that, I think that's a, a a vein to being a good author, right? So, like the the part about the the parents getting murdered. My mom was murdered when I was 11 years old. Damn. So that that kind of 
took the page, you know, from my own life, my own experience, how I felt. So I actually was this child at one point of the story. Obviously, the whole story is fiction work. So, you know, but at one point of the story, that child was actually myself. Okay, okay. So it's, it basically is the, the character is drawn from a real life events, so to speak. Yes, definitely. Gosh. Yeah, the, the beginnings, the humble okay. beginnings of the child, you know, yeah, starting right. with that. All sure. right. And it's called Raw Ice. Raw ice, yeah. Sounds like a Wu Tang song from that was left off a Raekwon album. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, well, when, when, the thing about it is, once you get into the story, uh, you'll understand why the title is the is what it is. Got Everything it. all ties in together. Got you it. Know? Good, good. How long so, did it take you to write it? If yeah. you don't mind me asking. No, yeah, man. You know what? Actually, I had the work in my head for. A long time got it but when i actually sat down to write it it took me about seven months before i was complete with the whole thing and i, I felt confident enough to uh start submitting it you know to publishing companies and things like that for review because i actually went and had it edited first i had a technical edit done on it and i felt comfortable after that technical edit and then i sent it into uh different publishing companies and waited for responses so got yeah it. Got it. That's because that's what I was going to ask you. I was like, did you because I know when people say that they like when people write books, I know they have it has to like, did you speak to like an author, consultant author, like give them just the raw ideas and then they helped you shape it and mold it and stuff like that. So like, you know what I mean? They was like, OK, this is how a story, a book is supposed to flow and everything. Did you get like counsel for that or did you read books up on it on how to like structure it? No, and I actually did. Yeah, oh, okay. I actually did a lot of my my own research on my own. Good. And I wrote the book. I, I felt confident, you know, in my ability to be able to tell the story because I felt like if I did music, if I was able to write songs and, you know, tell stories and songs and paint vivid pictures and songs, why wouldn't I be able to sit down and, and tell something that I really, really, because like rap for me was kind of an accident. You know what I mean? I went from, you know, doing the boxing and I went away for some time and all of that stuff. So it was kind of an accident because I kind of like started playing around with the words and was like, okay, I could actually do something with this. So it was kind of, I actually fell into the music, you know, in, on an accident. I started off my whole writing career with like poetry. I used to do poetry, like when I was in school and things mm -hmm. like that. Never, never really wanted people to read what I was writing because I never felt like it was good enough. Yeah. And, um, as, as time went on, I started evolving and gaining more confidence with what I was doing. So, yeah, the, 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 the writing the book part was actually natural for me to do. And once I submitted it, I was just feeling like I was confident, you know, that they're going to take this book on and they're going to produce this book for me. Good. And uh, it happened. Good. Yep. Yeah. And I guess being an MC, you already know how to craft stories and everything. It's just. With, when you when you're writing songs though it's more condensed into a quick three minutes whereas opposed to a couple of pages you know what i mean so i guess yeah exactly, exactly. you already had the story writing and the creative you already had the creative so i guess once you have that you could it's just different ways to tap into different parts of your creative brain if you already had it going so exactly that's good. That's well good. <clears throat> a lot of my early influence was donald goins and iceberg slim that's what yeah. i used to read during my time away, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, we gonna get you know, an old head drop. Okay, okay, yeah. all right. No, no, no. So, you know, old head. old head. 
yeah, handed me a book one day, and then he was like, you know, yo, read this book. And I'm like, what is this? You know what I mean? Black gangster, you know. Yeah, Donald Owens. And I'm like, okay. So I started reading his books. And that, just from there, I was looking for every Donald Owens book that I could get. And then I was just slowly passing them around and passing them around. So I eventually ended up reading all of his books, all of Iceberg Slim's books. And I'm sitting there like, man, I can do, I can write this. You know what I mean? Kind of stuff. Because I've had some, some, some of these experiences, you know, and I pretty much realized that most people that um, come from the kind of background that I had, the early, earlier goings in my life have probably had some of those same experiences. So those people listening probably could relate to it as well. Got got it. All right. All right. That's see. And that's where we're going to start off with that. Everybody wise is is a dope MC. So he's already been a writer and everything. So we're going to go back though. I, I don't want to go too far back. If you don't want to talk about it, that's fine. But like you said at 11, you you witnessed uh your mom or somebody get was it yeah. your mom? Yeah. Well, I didn't wit Yeah, I didn't witness it, but my okay. mom was murdered by uh okay. by my cousin's by my cousin's boyfriend. Damn, that's and oh um, you know, it was it was wild because I was the kind of I was close to my mom, so I went everywhere with my mom. You know, I did everything with my mom, and uh, it was just strange because she had said to me that night, you know, I couldn't go with her. She was on her way to my aunt's house, and she was like, you know, I, you you can't go with me this night. And she didn't come home, and it wasn't like my mom to not come home. You gotcha. know what I mean? Got you. Um, so then the next day, one of my brothers had came and said, you know, my mom, her bed was empty. We went downstairs before you know it, the cops was at the house and they was like, yo, you know, your mom was assaulted. That's all I knew. An assault to me at 11, I just thought maybe somebody beat her up, you know, gotcha. something like that. Now was that, was uh, that here though? Like, are you originally from here? I was always, I was curious about that. I was like, you're not from Harrisburg. There's no way. No. No, I'm from Washington D.C. originally. Okay, okay, so you're a D.C. cat. All yep. right, all right, yeah. Because I was yeah. like, I was like, you not from? Because I'm not from here either. But I was like, the yeah. way you carry yourself and everything, I was like, you're not a Harrisburg cat. No, no. All right, it's a little different. It's okay. a little different. I kind of figured that. I kind of figured that. I just didn't know where though. I, I love, I love, I love, I love, I love Harrisburg. I love Harrisburg, but you know. Um, yeah, D.C. is where my roots, you know, where I, you know what I mean, Got where I come it. from, though. Yeah, Got it. My family's still there. Yeah, a lot of my family's still there, everything. Yep. Okay, okay. So then at that time, so you're 11, living in D.C., um, and they uh, cops come to your crib, and, you know, your mom didn't come home, and then they just said assaulted, so you were just thinking, like, yeah, she got into a scrap or something like that. Right. And then, yeah, and then you know what who I mean? was I... the one who was the one that had to break it to you? Was it your, your brother's? Or your father, anybody who well, broke it to you that what had really happened? My oldest, my oldest brother was the one. I just remember him coming in the house, and he laid like a pistol on the on the counter, and was like, you know, mom got stabbed, and I'm like, you know, some dude stabbed her 38 times, and it was Lawrence, and you know that's the guy's name, and um, <clears throat> and I'm like, man, this dude was dating my cousin, you know what I mean? But somehow or another. When they were out that night, they ended up at a club, everybody, my aunt and several other people. And 
he had told somebody that night that he was going to kill her. He never liked her. Whatever, for whatever reason, they had different, you know, disagreements because he was dating my cousin and he used to beat my cousin. And she would complain to my mom, which was her aunt, you know, okay. that kind of thing. Yeah. So, he probably didn't yeah, like so he ended up murdering. Business. Yeah. Well, he was a little bit off anyway, you know, Not like you. he was just one of them people that, you know, you could tell that something was off with the brother, you know. Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, he ended up murdering her, man. And um, so that was like the beginnings of like my whole life changing, you know, oh, I bet. from, I bet. <laughs> you know, you grew up part, with your mom and you lived with your mom and everything, right? That's, that's who you, right. your main provider was. Yeah. My dad was from here. He was a military guy. He was from Stilton area. Okay. And so he, he left when I was like five years old and came here back to back to Harrisburg. Obviously that's how I ended up in Harrisburg. So, okay. Um okay. he he came back here and, you know, I was living there with my mom and up until, you know, that tragedy struck. And that's where everything just changed. Okay. Yeah, that, <laughs> that answered point. my next question too. I was gonna say, well how did you end up in Harrisburg from D C but okay, so after that happened it was all like, Okay, you're gonna go live with your father. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. Came to live with my father. And, was, and that then, a big, uh, was that a big adjustment or were you coming up here on like the summers or whatever? I had never been to Harrisburg a day in my life. Oh shit. My dad was kind of like, yeah, he was, uh, he was kind of like, I saw him twice throughout the time up until I was 11 years old. Oh man. So yeah, he came down and, you know, like two summers he came down and like took us school shopping you know, and so I I come from a lot of family. I had, you know, I have nine brothers, eight of us, eight brothers and one sister. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. So there's a lot of us. Yeah. So, okay. um, you know, I got here. I got here. And um, once I got here, it was just like it was an adjustment because I went from one step parent situation into another step parent situation. Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, my, my mom had remarried. I had a stepfather there. Who that's another whole story that I could get into, but I could save that for another time. Yeah. But um, you know, he was he was something something else himself. But then I came here into another step parent situation and I know you could relate to this because I, I, I heard you and Jay's uh podcast. Yeah. Um, my dad was a Jehovah's Witness. Oh, he was a J dub. Oh shit. Yeah, <laughs> I already know what all that entails. So, if y'all, if y'all uh, wondering the experiences of growing up as a kid being a Jehovah's Witness, go listen to the Jay Miranda episode with me and him go at it about that. But anyway, continue exactly. on. <laughs> continue on. Okay, so you know, so I so so I came from one step parent situation and ultimately ended up in another step parent situation with my father. You know, he was a Jehovah's Witness, and my dad was very, very strict, very strict. Yep. And, you know, overbearing, you know, he was a good man overall. But from where I was coming from, it was very difficult for me and him to get on the same page. That's a super hard pivot so, to go from, though, I'm saying, like, especially oh, man. if your mother wasn't a Jehovah's Witness, that's one. And right. then two, the transition going to a whole different state with uh, practically a right. stranger who only came by to buy you school clothes and shit. That's not like my dad. My dad, he, he was in my life. 
in the beginning. Then he just left, and then he would just come around like once every two years, maybe once every three years, buy some clothes and bounce. Exactly. So yeah, I feel you. And then having a, a Jehovah's Witness, my mom was just Jehovah's Witness, but a father being it, I couldn't, I can't even. Mm. <laughs> well, my mom was at one time, but I oh, okay. I don't remember those times. You yeah. see what I mean? So I, I had always known it to be the way it was up until, you know, it was time for me to move to here. Yep. So a big you know. pivot at a young age because let me see, you came yes. up here. Yes. You came up here on some, on like, you know, because of a tragic situation and stuff. I came down here from Boston at, we was 13. I was 13. When we moved down here from wow. Boston, and that's all that was a whole different thing to adjust to because I don't know if, how it was like in DC, but I always say like in Boston, it's a big mix. It was like like about let's say forty five percent black, forty five percent Spanish. Then the rest was mixed between white, Greek, Italian, Cambodian, and all that stuff. And then coming down here to wow. Harrisburg, where it's like ninety two percent black, and then you know what I mean. At that time, because at that yeah. time, they didn't even know what the hell Dominicans were around here. They was like, oh, you speak Puerto Rican. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, They right. didn't know. They, they thought yeah. oh, the only Spanish people that, that existed were Puerto Ricans or Mexicans. That's it. So they didn't understand what Dominicans no, true, were. True, they didn't true, know what none of that was. True. So That's funny it, you said that because, like, in my school, I tell people this all the time. Where I grew up, there were no white people. There were no, no there was nothing but black people. Oh yeah, you were in the projects I grew up Chocolate City. Yeah, well, in the projects where I grew up at in Southeast DC, there was a a, a a halfway house across the street from where I lived. Yeah, that's where they planted. <laughs> that's how this. Yeah, that's how the environment was, right? So in my school, I had one white teacher. So when I got here, it was a major culture shock for me to mm -hmm. see all these different people in my class, you know what I mean? I was like, damn, you know, uh, uh, Danny was in my class when I first moved here. Oh, you know what I mean? tough. Yeah. And at that point you didn't even have really yeah. a big recollection of like what Spanish people were or nothing. I, I mean, just from what I saw like in on television on and TV. things like that. So I had never interacted with anybody, but mostly black people my whole life, Got except it. for the people my mom worked for. My mom had a, uh, and like a cleaning business and she okay. would clean like in you know through pennsylvania avenue and through georgetown and places like that but most most of those people were white you know what i mean but yeah. that was it so, so yeah getting here and having an asian person in my class i was like whoa like damn i didn't even know it was like that <laughs> yeah you only see them in movies and shit so what um what yeah. year was that <laughs> what year was that transition when you moved oh, up here i then? came here it was 80 I want to say 84, 83, 83, 84. Okay, okay, yeah, because you, you older than yep. me. I born in 78, so. Yeah, I was born in 74. All right, you know all mean? right, yeah, so you're, my, you're pretty much my, my older brother's age and shit, so, yeah, you came over <laughs> here about to, you came over here, like, about to be a teenager, yeah, and I know that yeah, was a exactly. culture shock for you the same way it was for me, and then especially having yep, yep. a Jehovah's Witness for a father, so that means you had to go to the Kingdom Hall every oh, yeah. Third, what go, was it? Thursday, door Saturday, door. and Sunday? Oh, no, Thursday, Sunday, yeah, and Mondays man. or something like that. Yep. Yeah. Going door to door. Yep. You know what I mean? Field service all the time. Yep. You know, I still have I still have family members that are witnesses to this day. So, you know. Yeah. yeah I was, can kind of relate. I mean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
you know, you know, you go to uh, you go to school and then you see your friends when you got to knock on their door on the weekend. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know and that's they like, some shit. You know, <laughs> you're like, wow, you're a yeah, totally different was... person with a with a suit on and stuff over here early at, in the morning. <laughs> and so you should be in there watching cartoons with them, but they want to put you out in the field. Yeah. Like literally, it's called field service. They're putting a child out in exactly. the field. Not like if yeah. he doesn't already have a bunch of stuff going on mentally in the environment that he grows up with. You with the halfway house across yeah, the street yeah. from you and everything. But then you also have to put on a suit and tie knowing everybody else around you is like is almost poor and you gotta knock on their yeah. door telling them their parents about God. Like Yeah. Man. I ain't gonna lie, bro. I was a little emba- I was a little embarrassed sometimes because you know, mm-hmm. it always seemed like the witness the witness kids were always a little bit different. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. Well, what happened is, well, I, I had this streak in me because of some of the stuff that I had saw from when I was young. You know, my my oldest brother was a, a professional bank robber. Goddamn. <laughs> he was a professional. Yeah, my oldest brother was a professional bank robber. And so, you know, I grew up watching him go out and rob banks, come home and dump money down on the table. And my mom is like, where'd you get this money? You know, so I, I was, I saw that life. So when Damn. I came here, it was just like, oh, okay, this is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. So when I would go to the Kingdom Hall and then have to go back to school, I would feel kind of like embarrassed a little bit because I felt like I was the only kid in the class that didn't stand up to salute the flag. Yeah. Which kind of is a funny thing, which is kind when of you, an ironic thing When you think of right it now. for now, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, because yeah. I always tell people, I said I was Colin Kaepernick before the nail. Exactly. You know what I mean? <laughs> me too. Trust me. Me too. Me too. Yep. Yeah, a whole bunch of Greek kids, a whole bunch of Czechoslovakian yep. kids, a whole bunch of Cambodians up there saluting the flag, and we just sitting down like, hmm. and then yeah, just sitting down, and every yeah. I, everyone's looking at you like, why isn't he standing for the flag? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And then now, yeah. now look at it. if you do that, oh, you're unpatriotic. Oh, you're voting for Biden. Exactly. Or da, 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 you're you're not supporting Trump or you're not supporting the troops. But yet you go to the VA exactly. hospital and that shit's more fucked up than a broke ass nursing home. So it's like, exactly. all right, well then why don't you tell why don't you tell this government that you're so in support of or tell you know, tell them to give some more money to the troops then. So they won't be all broken and strung exactly. out on heroin. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yeah, yeah that was that was a little spin off, but yeah. So you came up here, all right, so in eighty four for the hip-hop scene was there wasn't really much of a hip-hop scene yet it was just music back then but they you know i mean yeah hadn't really thrown nothing in it but you got up here and uh, let me see 11 so you was like what middle school yeah well when i first got here i was in um melrose that was my first school got you i came up here into the fifth grade all right so melrose all right <laughs> so i was, was in melrose. elementary school people who those who don't know what melrose yeah. is melrose is one of the like four or five elementary schools let me see. And that was, but that was in, was that, in, it was in Harrisburg though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right there on Berry Hill Street. Yeah. Right off of Berry Hill Street. Yeah. I, I was wondering why you went there if you were living in Stilton. Well, no, I wasn't living in Stilton. Oh, okay, When I first okay. moved here, I was living at, uh, on uh, 13th Street. Ah. That was my first residence. My dad, my dad was from Stilton. That's oh, his, he's from, his okay. Yeah. That's what I got yeah, to twist. But I was living on 13th Street when I first moved, and I went to Melrose. Uh, 
mm-hmm. actually it's up off of Derry Street. You go up all the way Derry, and then you make off that you bear off there onto Berry Hill Street. And you're yep. right there, and it's right there. But, right. Yep. Yeah, yeah, still the same place, man. Yeah, so it that is. was my first. <laughs> My first school, yeah, Melrose, yep. Okay, okay, and then, and then, so, growing up there, now, when, when you got to school, though, was that, were you, like, on some timid shit, or was you, like, was it, was it a, a easy, like, I wouldn't say easy transition, because you're still coping with what you were <clears> coping <throat> with, and at that age, you probably yeah. couldn't even really come to real grips with it, but was, was a, the adjustment from schools, though, like, seeing all the different races and everything in the class, was that, like, a shock like did people test you or anything or were you just on some like oh well this is different yeah yeah i i, I had my i had my run-ins because it was just like you know you the new kid mm-hmm. you know i had a serious dc accent so people would make fun because you know a lot of the stuff dc is like shawty and young and them those kind of words yeah. right uh so yeah i had some run-ins right in my early time and that's kind of what kind of got me going, I think, heading in a different direction because I was already confused at that time of my life, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't know where I was going, what I was doing. So the first person that said something like, yo, your mom, you know, that, that was a big thing back then. If somebody busting. said your mom, oh, my goodness, they got to get laid out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because so, yeah, busting was the big thing down here and shit. Yeah, Exactly. So, yeah, man, I, I started off like that. And, I, you know, I get into my first fight in school. And then my dad is like, you know, you you shouldn't be interacting with worldly people and yep. blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and I'm angry and I'm trying to explain that, yo, this dude said my mom and my dad is trying to say, well, your mom is dead and, you know, it doesn't matter. And I'm like, it matters to me, you know, so it's like this big yeah. tug of war between me and my father in the home because I'm feeling like, you know, my mom raised us to be, you know, it's a lot of us, right? So yep. we fought amongst each other. Yep. So my, my mom, actually, you, you met one of my brothers on Saturday. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yep. Key um, word you said, too, just real quick. Key word you said, yep. worldly. For those that don't know, when you're a Jehovah's Witness, anybody who is not a J-Dub or on their way to being baptized yep. is called worldly. Okay, so it's exactly. kind of like they're their own little clique, kind of like how the Jews have their own little clique and their own little schools and anything outside of that is considered like an outsider. It's kind of like that. Like if you're from the world, you're kind of like uh, they consider you to be a bad person if you're not in with the gang. That's why the J-Dubs, I consider that exactly. one of the biggest gangs on earth, because if you're not yeah. part of them or on your way to being part of them and getting dipped in that water to be baptized, you're considered worldly, right. and they'll look at you with a side eye until one of the elders considers you otherwise. You know. Yep. But go, but go ahead, proceed. I'm sorry. So you getting into shit All in right, school so- now as as it progresses, like going up to middle school into high school, though. I've, I've noticed that the more, like, even though you wasn't from here originally, when, like me too, when I when I came from here, they was all like, "Oh, you from Boston, so you listen to new kids on the block." I was like. <laughs> <laughs> what up? When I came up, because when I came down here, the only Boston rapper was Edo G and the Bulldogs. Be a Father to Your Child was like one of the biggest songs when I moved here. In eighth grade, I was at that middle school. And um, so when you started coming here, though, but the more I noticed, like, they realized, okay, he's from here now at this point. Did it get to that point, though, where everybody, like, pretty much knew who you were? And it was like, okay, that's the dude that's from D.C. and blah, blah, blah. 
it 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 didn't get into that point until basically after my like juvenile time. That juvenile time actually kind of shaped me because I was in the same facilities with a lot of guys that were known guys, you know, but no, nah, man, I got jumped. I got rushed. You know, used to be a group. They used to be calling themselves rush back then. <clears throat> and they used to just roll on cat. You know what I mean? I won't throw none of their names out there. Cause we are <laughs> all right today, but, <laughs> but you know, it was, it was certain people that, you know, had reputations. And when you wasn't from there, especially going to middle school, they used to call that the zoo. That yeah, was wild. Yeah. The big, the big, the big, the big, yep. The big, uh, gigantic facility out there. It looked like a juvenile detention. There was no windows in none yeah. of the inner inner yeah. joints and it was way out of the city. It was like off of her street and you had to drive up this long yeah. ass pathway to get to it. It was like its own little Yeah. It was kind of like a juvenile hall where they put all the little bastards between what? Fucking yeah. twelve and, and fifteen or give or take. No, not fifteen. Yeah. I say fourteen. Eleven to fourteen. Yeah, it went from sixth to eighth grade there. Yes. You know what I mean? And they had different houses, kind of like a go. jail. Yep, yep. And 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 everybody was there. So you had the hill, uptown, the south. You had everyone from every part of Harrisburg mixing in that school. You know what I mean? Yep. So that was just, you know, if you wasn't from there and nobody didn't know you, like I said, I had my incidents, you know, where people tried to jump me and, you know, and I was like, man, look, I can't, I can't move like this. I gotta, I gotta rumble back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but when, when I really started getting to know people was during the juvenile times when I started getting involved with the law, you know, all that kind mm. of stuff is when I really started to become more accepted because then a lot of those guys, they were doing the same things that I was doing. And then we was going into these, you know, facilities, man. And, you know, when you start going into Woodside and all of that, uh, you go from Woodside and then you go into the next facility all the way up until you end up getting certified as an adult. That was my journey. I went through every, I went through about four juvenile facilities before I ended up getting certified as an adult at 17 and then ended up in prison. How'd your father feel so, about that? He, you know, after I went to Harris, my dad was just like, yo, my son's a grown man. That's how he took it. Because I was just, at that time, it wasn't no stopping me. I was already rolling, mm -hmm. you know. I was I was, I was, was becoming unhinged. I was out there. So he, he, they called him to the school one day, and they had found something. And I had, you know, back in the day when people used to rock the pouches and you used to rock the ones that had the, um, the African... Yep, on the, African. the African symbol on the front, yep, right? Yep, yep, yep. So I had one of them on, and I got caught with something in, in high school, and they called my dad. They put me in school suspension. At this time, my brother that you met the other night, yeah. he was in high school too, but he was in the twelfth grade. I was in the ninth. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, they 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 brought my dad to the school, and they said, "Yo, what do you want to do? You know, your son, you know, this and that and that and this." And he was like, "Look, he's a grown man. He's gonna do what he want to do." I don't want no more to do with it, basically. And that was that, Damn. you know, because like I said, you know, I, I started at, at 14 with going in and out of these facilities. So you got to imagine I went there, I got out of a facility, and then my dad got me uh, into Susquehanna Township School. I lasted two weeks in Susquehanna before I got kicked out for fighting. Then I went to Cameron School, 
which was a kid was a school for all bad kids. Yep. Still there. <laughs> so I went to Cameron School and that's the see that was another thing. I met all of these guys. So, you know, you can imagine the people that I encountered down there at that school, right? So that's yeah. how it kind of became a thing where I I started knowing everybody. Yeah. You know? And then and then and if I, you scrappy, I, I was if if you could fight, yeah, I was then known to know throw it. my hand. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was known to throw my hand. Now, like, I that bet was never an issue for me. Yeah. And let me ask you something too. When your dad was all like he's a grown man and all that, were you expecting that from him? Because nine times out of ten, it's kinda like how most Jehovah's Witness parents are. They don't want to be embarrassed mm -hmm. by in their church by having a badass kid. So they try to disown them, act like they're from the world. Yeah. Now all of a sudden, when they start doing bad shit, it'll make them look bad within the church amongst the other brothers and sisters, air quotes. Yeah, yeah, I never expected it to be that way. But once, my see, my relationship with my dad became strained because I started running away from home. I started running away from uh. home. That's how I ended up in trouble. Yeah, I, I, start, I left home at 14, and I've never been back since. Oh, shit. Damn. <laughs> yeah, I so left you home just, at 14, and never been back. So you were just sleeping over people's cribs and everything like that? Squatting? Abandoned, abandoned houses, um, cars, apartment complexes. Yeah. I mean, anywhere and anywhere, you know, that I could go. And then that's what I mean. So you got to think. I'm out there on the street like that. And that's what led me into crime because it's kind of like, yeah, you know, what are you going to do to survive? You yeah. know what I mean? So and that was heavy in the crack you know, era too. Exactly. <laughs> yep. That was when you so, really yeah. started seeing more fiends and shit. So there probably was more spots that you could just crash into it. Like an abandoned house and just, just fucking curl up. Oh real quick yeah, man. All up, all up Whitehall street. Like I said, I got some, 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 some peoples, I won't put them out there, but they had, they had a little bit of the history with me. You know what I mean? Got you. Got you. They, <laughs> they probably, had a little bit of the history shit, with they, me. Shit. If all y'all, did you ever get into like slanging or was your more of your shit just uh, fighting? Yeah. Well, later on, like the, the, the hustling part. Okay. My, my claim to fame was always robbery, right? Because that's what I knew. My brother was a professional bank robber. So that's all I knew was like how to go and stick somebody up. You know what I mean? Oh shit! So you was and, one of them? Yeah, that's what. Yeah, that's what I ended up going away for. You know what I mean? Um, so my brother, you know, I've watched him, you know, come in the house with money, and you know, I didn't have the real direction and the and the, and the sharpness that he had, right, to go out there and, and and go take a bank because I'm thinking, I'm thinking small minded, right? Yep. Oh, I'll just get this person that's selling on the street, you know, da 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 da. So that's kind of where it started with me was with the robberies. So you and, wasn't, um, yeah. So you was more me. of a stick up kid than an actual robber, robber. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. I, I didn't do any, you know, uh, facilities or you know, banks yeah. or nothing like that. But yeah, it was always a, a a person on person type of thing with me. Rather, it was a house that you know what I mean you run up in or you know somebody on the street you shaking them down for whatever they got you know mm -hmm. um it was that kind of thing yeah it was it was that kind of thing when I look back on it now I'm just like man I can't even believe that I've done that and a lot of times when I meet people today they're like you really done all of this stuff because I keep all of my my paperwork I keep it all to remind me not to ever go in that direction again. You know what I mean? 
Oh, my goodness, you did. Well, the, the <laughs> problem is this. The problem is in that lifestyle, it only lasts for so long before yes. you either going to end up in somebody's box or you're going to end up in a jail for the rest of your life. So yeah. those lessons that I learned have actually, though, helped me into evolving more into who I am today because I'm, I've never lacked confidence in who I am as a person, as a man. I feel like I could stand there with any other man. Yep. But that doesn't make you that doesn't make you the man. What makes you the man is to be able to be responsible and get up out here and go to work every day and provide for your family. And those are the things that, you know, the lessons I'm trying to give my son now. So sound like Robert yeah. De Niro. Sound like Robert De Niro and Bronx tale and shit. He was like when <laughs> when Lil Colojero was trying to say the working man is a sucker. And Robert De Niro was all like, nah, nah, try to get up and work every day for a living. That's what makes you a man. That's what makes you tough. Da, da, da. So that's what you sound like. But that's, that's, you know what I mean? But running in all that, though, yeah, that no, built you true. into the person that you are, though. You know? That makes oh, you yeah. that makes you who oh, you yeah. are. That builds you. That builds your character and everything. And that's probably how you got more of your respect in the street, too. And plus, you, you, you got busy. You know what I mean? As far as the street oh, shit. Yeah. So that, that got you your props oh, in. Yeah. Um, so then, oh, yeah. when did you get into the? When did the hip hop shit kick in? Then when did when did when did rapping kick in? Was it around that time, or was it a okay. little later, or when you was in the box? No, nah, man, it was. I, I I was late. I was late into the game as far as hip hop goes, because like I told you, I was writing, you know, music. I mean, I was writing uh, poetry earlier on, right? But what happened is, I came when I got out after I had done my uh, my state bid. I came home because I, well, I I went to jail for two years, got out, and then went right back again for What'd like you go five for? more years. What you go for? Robbery. Okay, so it was always that. Was it like strong arm robbery, or was it just like uh, assault and somebody just told on you? It was like, oh, he robbed me. No, it was like robbery. You know, strong arm. You know, guns involved. You yeah. know what I mean? Yep. But that's um, what my brother's in for now. He he don't come home for another yeah. year. He been in since two thousand six. No, yeah. It was it was rough because I I did a robbery, got 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 banged for that, went to jail, came home, was home for a year, committed a couple of more robberies, and then went back. And that's when it was just like, okay, you know what I mean? I got to figure out what I'm going to do when I when I raise up out of here because I maxed out. I never had parole. Every day I ever been sentenced to, I did every day of that sentence. So that five. So really I never sat came out. Oh, yeah. Well, mm. it made me realize, man, when I saw, like, you know, I tell you what, everybody knows that when you go into a prison, every man feels like, you know, okay, I'm, I can handle mine, right? But it's one of those things where now you got other people in there just like you, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're a goon and you're dealing with other goons, usually two goons don't want to go at it with one another. Because it's like somebody's going to have to die, right? <laughs> yeah, because nobody's going to back my, down because you don't want to back down. You don't want to be that. You don't want to be exactly. the soft nigga. My cellmate was uh, 28 years old, and he was uh, in there for a homicide. He had killed somebody, a little boy, and stuffed him down in the sewer hole. He was from Philly. And I, this, I really started to wake up to realize where I was. You know what I mean? Like when I walked through Camp Hill prison, being in the county was one thing, 
But walking through Camp Hill Prison was a realization for me that I'm really in jail. You know what I mean? Yeah. The county was different because I knew everybody. Yeah. So for me, to, for me to do the two years in the county wasn't that hard, even though back then people wasn't doing that kind of time in the county. So a lot of people was like, yo, the young boy just did 26 months out the county. That's crazy, you know. Because yeah. the county was knocked off. It was one of the worst jails as far as conditions was. Ain't that, that funny? you would ever want to see. And it was right across the street <laughs> from a Toys R Us of all things. <laughs> oh, for, well, no, it was a movie theater at the time, actually. Yeah, movie theater, movie theater. Yeah, yeah. yeah the Toys R Us was there, too. The toy, I think the Toys R Us was where the Macy's is now. Where the yeah, old Macy's. Yeah, I think yeah, the one yeah. they're closing up. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep, yep. But... Yeah, so that, you know, that was it for me. Like, once I walked through that prison and realized, like, okay, it's other cats in here just like me, and it was very geographical. See, I didn't, you didn't deal with the geographics as much being from Harrisburg, because even if you was from the south side or uptown or wherever you was from, you pretty much, y'all in the jail together, y'all still all know each other because y'all didn't went to school together, mm-hmm. or, you know what I mean? But when you get there and you see that Philadelphia is like dominating the prison like because it's more of them than anybody else yeah you know what i mean got some pittsburgh cats in there too because camp hill is where you you first go before you get shipped out right yeah can't well yeah camp hill was a um processing was a uh classification prison yeah but you could stay there depending on if you like played basketball or any of that stuff like that. Or so like certain people that I knew from here, they was on the basketball team, so they was able to stay at that prison. But I ended up getting shipped out to Mahnoy, which is out in Frackville, PA. Yep. And that's that where I ended so up doing my funny. time from. That is so funny. Yeah. My man, my yeah, because my brother's boy, uh, Iceberg, he's up there now and he raps and every time he calls it was like this is a collect call from Mahanoy because my brother at one point he was in Wake Forest. And then he mm-hmm. uh, he got moved up to Albion. He got life, so they they moved oh, him. Wow. Up, yeah, they moved him way up to Albion. But he was he was at uh, Wake Forest. Then he got into some shit over there, so they shipped him out to Albion. But yeah, Mahano, all them shits up there is nothing but white boys who couldn't do a job shoveling shit, and they just gave him a job out there the <laughs> county. Like like come over here, come over here and watch these niggers. Because well, I you heard... know you know what's funny though. Go ahead. What's funny about Mahanoy is that, see, when I went, Mahanoy was a new jail. Okay. So, like, now I hear people telling me about Mahanoy, and they like, oh, man, it's like this. And I'm like, well, when I went, it was like a mall, right? What? <laughs> it was it was like a mall because it was wide open. That's what I mean by okay. it was like a mall. So it was wide open, you know what I mean, the, the way that you move through there. Because you got to think, I'm talking about um, in the 90s when I went there, okay. you know what I mean? So it's like the, the way that the jail was set up in comparison to the way that it is now is just, it's totally different. I talk to people like I may run into a random cat and they'll say, yeah, my brother's a monoid or, or my cousin. I'll be like, well, what did he say it's like? And then he'll tell me, and I'm like, man, it's different. Cause it was a brand new jail. Like we were some of the first inmates in that prison. You know what I mean? That ain't yeah. nothing to be proud of. Yeah. <laughs> but at least it wasn't as shitty as you would think it was because everything was still new. Yeah, it was brand new. So, you know what I mean? Everything about the way it was working, you know, and all of that stuff was, was, was yeah, it was very new. So you did, you, yeah. you did your whole five in there? Yep, I did my whole nickel there. 
Yeah. That shit's just time. And then I came then, home, man, and <laughs> let me ask you something. But it's funny because, yeah. Oh no, no, just real quick. Um, up there though, uh, it's kind of like when I speak to my brother, he says there'd be a lot of Cleveland and Ohio cats and Buffalo cats because it's all those cities are like real close, right up the, along like the the border up there and everything. Was there a lot of like yeah. Pittsburgh and, yeah. and Cleveland cats up there when you was there? Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh was the second biggest. It was Philly. The order it went in was basically Philly, Pittsburgh, Harrisburg, York. You know what I mean? Yeah. Harrisburg, York, Lancaster, and all of them guys was looped in. It wasn't a lot of Cleveland and Buffalo okay. at that time. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure that there was scattered around in the jail somewhere. Yeah. But like most of the people I interacted with was either from Pittsburgh or from Philly. Got you, got you. All right. You were saying, though, I'm sorry, I was just curious about that because I just thought about my brother real quick. No, no, yeah. yeah. Um, no, I just said, so, you know, that, that whole experience right there, man, just made me, you know, from, from year to year, every year, seeing people come, seeing people go, you know what I mean? And I tried to do what I could. I mean, I was making 40 cents a day working in the kitchen, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And And I'm like, you know, I started thinking like, man, this is, you know, I never was a dumb person, but I realized that I was a confused child at one time, you know, and I'm like, I got to be able to figure out a way to get up out of this. So fast forward, when I come home, you know, I used to sit around me and my one cousin, he's out in um, Kansas now, my cousin 40, but I don't know if you remember 40 or not, but my cousin 40 that used to be with me back then a little bit. If I, if I seen his face, met. if I seen his face, I probably remember. I'm going with faces. But, but, um, so yeah, man, me and him used to just like mess around in the basement, you know, playing around. So pause. We started yeah. kind of like, <laughs> I just had to say pause. Yeah, I just had pause because you said you're messing around in the basement. I'm like, oh, pause. You mean like, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> you. <laughs> You late. You, know, you, <laughs> you late. Wildin'. You wildin'. No, um, you know, just messing around with like a uh, like a karaoke machine. Got it. You know what I mean? That's how everybody starts, trust man. me. <laughs> yeah, you know, we, we, we got the karaoke machine playing around, you know, trying to, you know, rhyme or whatever. But then it just one day I was like, man, I'm I I I'm a poet, you know what I mean? I could sit down, I could I could do this. So mm-hmm. I sat down. And I started writing rhymes and I started like rehearsing over like just instrumentals and instrumentals. So we talking now, we looking at like 97, okay. you know what I mean? So Biggie just died. And I'm writing. Yeah, it was around that time. Yep. yep. And I was a big Pac man, you know what I'm saying? I, I, so, trust me, we had that um, conversation. If y'all don't know, this <laughs> month, I'm surprised you don't have a tattoo of him somewhere on your body or a quote of his. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no Shit. doubt. No doubt. But, I need to do that. I need to do that. Right, too. right. Hold but, up. So, were, um, were you in? Were you in in jail when he died? Yeah, yeah. I was in prison. Damn, how, did, how did they take that in jail? Because I could. How did they take it in there? Man, let me tell you something. It was wild because I remember like the day it happened. I was on cell restriction because I had got uh in trouble for doing something with my girl on the visit. Hmm. So they put me on cell restriction. They took my visits for 15 months and put me on cell restriction. So I had cell restriction for like two weeks. So the night that he got shot, of course, 
you know, I heard about it. So I was in my cell and I was watching on TV and then Power 99 was the big thing. Okay. You know, the radio station, Power 99, it's silly. Yep. So, you know, that everybody listening to Power 99. So I had this one boy that was cool with me. I can't remember his name right now, but he was a thorough brother from Philly. He was a good dude. He knew how much I was a Pac fan. Hmm. So when they made the announcement, I didn't hear it. I heard somebody calling me, yo, wise, yo, wise. I'm like, yo, I come to my cell door and look out. He like, yo, man, your boy just checked out. I'm like, what? He like, your boy Pop just checked out. I'm like, nah, man. He said, turn the radio on. I turn the radio on. They go in there. Everything's quiet. They like, we just want to announce that Tupac Shakur has passed away, blah, blah, blah. And, man, right after that, they hit it with Dear Mama. Oh, man. So you got to believe me. I'm in, I'm, I'm like feeling like I know this dude, right? Yep, I'm yep. sitting in there like crying i'm like damn he's i couldn't believe it yeah it was crazy man a lot of people couldn't believe it like obviously yeah. people couldn't believe it if people still think that he's alive right now you know yeah, what i mean and then so, and then also though but like you had heard that he got shot when you were still in there so you you was figuring since he already took five you figured oh he's just gonna come out of that shit again too oh yeah 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 it wasn't no doubt about it i'm like man pop you know what i mean he's, yeah. he's a soldier he's a you know soldier, what i mean he exactly gonna, yeah, he's he gonna come out of this one too. You mm -hmm. know? It's weird as shit to think that that motherfucker was only twenty five years old, and when you think of how we are now, and it's like, yo, that dude was a baby. Yeah. He's so you know he's, what? That's he's soldier that's boy's age, pretty too. much. Like he was a kid, like he was a, a young boy, the sporadic. Yeah, wilding that's an out. amazing thing. Well, it just goes to show you how the mind of a twenty five year old. See. Not only was he 25, though, but he was also a 25 that was actually very intelligent for his age. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Think about his upbringing. I mean, he was brought up by a Black Panther. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And all his father figures exactly. were militant. So, yeah, military-minded exactly. soldiers. Busted shots blindly exactly. trying to find Jehovah. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I know that line. Yeah. yeah. And that's, yeah. Well, that's the thing, though, right? So you look at that. And I, that's why I say when I look at how I was at 25 in comparison to where I am now, I'm just like, man, I was I was lost at that time. The things that I mm -hmm. thought had value, none of those things really have value to me. And they never, they, they never really should have. But I think that's all the process of learning. Right. Because you they always say you learn from your experience and it sounds cliche, but it's really very factual because once you experience certain things, it teaches you how to cope with other things that you may, other adverse situations that you may come upon in your life. You know what I mean? So True. yeah, all of that stuff, man, definitely helped me. To, it gave me some tools. Got <laughs> it you. definitely did. Got you. So, all right. I, so, uh, so I had to dip off when we said, when you said 97, that just rung up everything. Cause I base, I, I my memory goes off hip hop years. So like, if you say, Oh right. yeah, yeah. I was, I, when you said like 84 and then I was thinking, all right, what hip hop was out then? And it was like, it wasn't really much. And then when you said 97, I was like, boom, Biggie died. And I could place everything yeah. by that or by songs. You know what I mean? So that's right. why I went. And, I, right. and then I know how much of a pop guy you are. So I was like, so then how the hell did you feel when that happened? So then when you came home though, was Biggie already dead? Cause that was in March of 97. Were you yeah, already yeah, home? Yeah, Biggie. Yeah. Yeah, I was home, yeah. Now, were yep. you, being that you were the Pac fan, were you on some old, well, fuck that fat nigga. It don't matter. Shit, they killed my boy Pac. I ain't going to front. I ain't going to front. You uh, know what? Actually, don't. I'm sorry. Let me, I, I, let, me, let me say this. Actually, no, I was not home when Biggie died. 
I was still in. I was still in when when Biggie died. I came home after Biggie okay. died. Okay, so but right. I was I, while I was in there. Yeah, I was like, "Fuck that fat nigga." I was on that at, at one time because oh. I was like, "Yo, he got pop killed." You know what I mean? Yep, yep. And yep. That's that conspiracy gotta, theory. You know, I can only imagine a bunch of niggas yeah. sitting in a jail with the world spinning around oh, yeah. them with their conspiracy theories and shit, man. Because uh, but and, and around you, I'm 23. Oh yeah. Oh. I, I'm I could 23 only imagine. at this time when, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I could only imagine what y'all was thinking. Because, nah, because I was seeing a girl yeah. at the time when Biggie died, too. And she's diehard Pac fan, too, like you are and shit. And she was all like, damn, that fat motherfucker, you would think he would be able to take a few. Like, that's what she said when he yeah, died. Exactly. I was like, God damn. Like, shit. Yeah, yeah. I really so, I, I really regret that, yeah, that was, I put that out there. Was the jail split time, down but, the middle, though? Was there, like, some New York cats there that was like, man, fuck that shit? Was it, was it like, half nah, Pac, half man. Biggie? Or was nah, more Pac? Yeah, everybody was, everybody was Pacing. Like, you know what I mean? Everybody was like, yo. Because I guess it's because of what he represented, you know what I mean, yeah, for the people. You know what yeah. I mean? It was like, you know. It'd never be another Pac, you know. So never, um, you know, Not that was close. yeah. So that was that. <clears throat> nah, man, nah. I mean, like I said, maybe lyrically somebody think they can get there, but the point the point is that his it passion, was more than the lyrics yeah. that made him. Yeah, his yeah. passion and you know everything I mean? for it and everything and how emotional he was and everything. Yeah. The closest, Guaranteed. even even Guaranteed. not even, and I'm not even making a close <clears throat> comparison, but as far as how people feel him, the closest thing is DMX. Yeah, I think that's oh, the yeah, closest yeah, yeah, as far yeah. as like actually feeling what he says, because slipping can make you cry at any given yeah. time. You know what I mean? Oh, and yeah, Pac yeah. had that passion, uh, yeah, and DMX has the DMX rivals his passion. That's all. But I wouldn't say lyrically they were no, both I, about I two separate yeah. things. But anyways, all right, Guaranteed. so you come on. Yep. Damn, we went on a whole hip-hop split, but that's why I like this podcast. Because <laughs> we got to talk about the hip-hop shit. So you and your cousin was messing around in the basement. Pause. And you you were starting to rhyme. But then, <laughs> so you you came into it more as, like, on some, like, um, what do you call that? Written um, written poetry? Like, you came in on it more. Yeah, on like, like spoken word. Got spoken yeah, like word. I that's what I was thinking. Spoken it. word, yeah. Yeah. And then, so. I was having fun. So is that around the time when you met Jay? Not not quite. Okay. What happened is I left. I left and went and moved to VA. Oh, no shit. For about, yeah, for about two years. What I part? moved to VA for about two years. Uh, Alexandria. Okay. Right outside of D.C. I went to Alexandria. Yeah, I went to Alexandria. Because my sister, like I said, all my family was still, you know, down there. So yep. in that metropolitan area. So I moved back to VA for a little while. Uh, with my sister, and then I came back. And when I came back, um, I had a uh, I was working at the Whitaker Center. Oh, okay. And I used to walk past the G Man, you know, every night when I would get off work. And one night I'm walking by and I hear this music coming out of there, and I hear microphone people rapping. By this time, I had already started writing songs and things on my own, but I never was letting people hear my stuff you know what I mean mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um so then I ended up going into there one night and Jay and IB and Marcus all of them were in there rapping now I had knew Marcus because I had uh, me and him and went to school together we rode the same bus you know what I mean okay. and, 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 uh, yeah we rode the same bus in middle school but I had went away and I hadn't seen him in years so 
I saw him there and I heard him and I was like, oh, I ain't know homie can get down like that. You know what I mean? Because at the time when I knew him, I didn't know he was rapping. I know he was a real um, intelligent dude. You know what I mean? He mm -hmm. always was like in gifted classes and stuff like that in school. So, you know what I mean? That's all I had known of him. I didn't know that he rhymed, but I heard him. I was like, yo, this dude is dope. So Jay and them was all up there. They had had a song or something that they had done together back then at that time. So I, I cut into Jay and I was like, you know, what, you know, what y'all doing? This and that and that. And he's like, oh, you know, we do music. Da, 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 da. And he gave me this business card. And he's like, yo, call me up sometime. And I'm like, all right. So I told my cousin, I said, yo, this dude gives me this card. You know what I mean? I did said, it, they did it have like Empire Dynasty college. on it at the time? Yep, it was a black. Yep, it was a black Empire <laughs> Dynasty card. I think, <laughs> yo, I think it was silver. I think the letters were silver yep, on the front. You yep, know what I mean? Yep. So I remembered it like it was yesterday, and I'm like, yo, man. So I said to my cousin, I'm like, yo, you want to, you know, I'm gonna hit my man up and see what he's talking about or whatever. So I hit him up, and he was like, yo, come through my studio. At the time, he had it like in his house down on Green Street. Yep. yep. So. I was like, whoa, all right, we come through. So me and my cousin, we go through. We sitting there, we talking. He he giving me the rundown on Empire Dynasty. You know, at that time it was like a Shoka. Um, yep. was a couple. Yep. Yeah, it was a couple Todd. other cats. Brett. Yep, Todd. You know, all those guys. And so you know, he's letting me hear their music, and I'm like, man, these dudes got something going on, nice right here. So he throws a beat on, and he's like. Y'all want to record something? And I'm like, what? Hmm. <laughs> you serious? He's like, nah, I'm serious. I want to record something. So I'm like, yeah. So we recorded. Recorded a song. It's called Eyes Wide Shut. So after we recorded that record, I was like, damn, yo, this is kind of fun. He gave us a copy. You know, so we riding around all that day drinking and, 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 and reciting what we wrote. We all happy. Right? I was about to say, that was probably your first studio experience ever. So it probably was like, it holy was. shit, it's that simple to record it myself was. and play it back in a CD? Yeah, you know what I mean? That and I'm like listening rush. to my voice. Oh, man, it was a crap. Look, I got so bent that night, I don't remember. I, I know that I was bent, <laughs> you know what I mean? So after that, then I started like, you know, reaching out to him a little more. And he was like, yo, listen, you know, won't you, uh, Brett had told me, Brett was like, yo, man, won't you hang around for a little while? Because I still kind of had one foot in the street and I was trying to like make the, the, the crossover a little bit, yeah. but I was out on Harris, I was out on Harris street pumping at the same time. So I would go from dealing with him to my other life, you know what I mean? Yeah. That only... You know, that was kind of what I was doing. And then all of a sudden, things started happening real fast. We started recording more. And then I started doing stuff out at Seabrum's house. Yep, yep. And I then before Carlisle. I know it, yeah, yeah, I went out there, hung out with Seabrum and did some stuff in his studio. And then all of a sudden, man, it was just like Jay called me one day and was like, I think we had did a show at the Forum. And me and my cousin had this group called Dodge City. That was just me and my cousin, and we used to rap together. So we did that, and it was like maybe a year into this time where Jay said, yo, we got a show. We're going to open up for Fat Joe. And I'm like, what? You mm. serious? What? You, you know what I mean? So I'm like feeling myself like, yo, I'm doing this thing. And it just became, <clears throat> excuse me.
it just became a thing where it was like Fat Joe. Then we out in Allentown, 50 Cent. Then it was, I mean, it was just crazy, man. It was the, the most amazing that? time. Hold up, hold up. You said Allentown, 50 Cent. Are you talking about the show? Yeah. Hold up. Are you talking about the show in Allentown when uh, it was supposed to be the locks opening first, then 50 Cent, but it ended up being 50 Cent first, then the locks? No, this okay. show was when, okay. look, 50, 50 didn't even have an album out. This was oh, at okay. this club called Club Club Liquid. Oh, right? okay, okay. 50 didn't even have an album out. All he had was that murder, I don't believe you. He yeah. had all of those songs. Life's like on the that. line. Your life's on that the was, line. Yeah, yeah he, he had that kind of stuff, but he didn't even have an album out yet. And um, we we went out there and rocked the show. And so it's been, it was just crazy like that. From that point, then it was like every time, you know what I mean, that there was a big event, we seemed to be involved. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. then it started getting real serious. And then we just started recording more stuff. And, you know, of course, you know that time too, because yeah. Marcus was doing his thing majorly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, we, um, we was recording yeah. on Green Street, too. We was over there with Jay all yeah. the time. Yep. Yeah. That's around the yep. time. Yep. It was, it was. Oh, no, go ahead, go, go ahead. bro, I cut you off. No, 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 no. No, I was just saying it was a good time. I was just saying it was a good time, man. It was a, it was a good time for hip-hop. It was, and at that time for me, man, like, see, this was my issue. So I still had this street mentality in my mind, right? Mm. So I'm thinking, yo, anybody say anything about me, we going to thump, we fighting first. You know, that was always my impulse Shit. because I thought that that's what it was all about. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. I had a couple little run-ins with a couple other MCs, and we cool now, of course. But at that time, I was just thinking, yo, don't say nothing about us because, you know, it was a certain stigma that was placed on Empire Dynasty. You know what I mean? And back then, it was all about street cred. Oh, you know what yeah, I mean? Of it's course. like, That's, yeah. Like, right around the you know, like, era. Exactly. You know, right now in hip hop, you know, people, they wearing fingernail polish and dresses and, you know, it's a totally different vibe mm -hmm. than when I was coming up. You know what I mean? So it was like that street cred went far. You know, if you had some of that, you know what I mean? Then people would be like, OK, I can I can listen to you a little bit more. Because we, you know, I know that you got this this jacket, this history with you. So yeah, especially yeah. you knowing all of the stick up kids and all the dudes you thumped with over the years from the city. So yeah. I know that kind of brought street yeah. cred to them because Jay and them yeah. they wasn't on on that type of time. But I, I don't know you were. Exactly. So I know that that went exactly. a long way. Well, you know what the funny thing about it though, it was challenging <laughs> for Jay. And Dave at the time, who was managing us, because I was getting in trouble still. Like, you know, I got arrested at a show. Like, we backstage, at, they had the Stagger Lee and um, uh, not Frankie J. I can't remember what his name was uh, back then. That at the forum, and I get arrested at the show. You know what I mean? So they was like happened to get bail money up for me all the time <laughs> Shit. because I was getting in trouble still. You yeah, know what I mean? Like yeah. that was, look, I get, I get off, I get all oh, Chingy. That's what it was. Chingy. Chingy was there. I remember that show. I get off the stage, right? I get off the stage backstage and Chingy and everybody's there. And all of a sudden, uh, me and Brett was outside <clears throat> and we come in, somebody was out there blowing 
blowing the L. They come in, they ask everybody's name before they left. I gave them my name. They come back, everybody's in the cypher, Chingy, everybody, everybody rapping. I'm in the cypher. They come back, they like, hey, Mr. Wise. I'm like, yeah, they like, you under arrest. Take me right out of the show, right after my performance, bro. It was like. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah, surprised you crazy. didn't know it would just be like, yo, uh, my name is uh, Cleveland uh, Simpson. I'm surprised you didn't give a fake name. You know name. what? It's, well, it's so funny because I didn't even think about it. I didn't think that I had any warrants or, you know what I mean, nothing was going on that mm-hmm. they knew about. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So. It was just like, yo, they throw the cuffs on you, and you know what I mean? I'm calling Jay and them from jail, like, yo, look, I need y'all to come and get me, man. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they like, man, wise, man, you got to chill. Like, you always, you know, in the stuff, man. They saw me through a lot. I got to I gotta give them a lot of props and a lot of love because they saw me through a lot of stuff because I was still, like I said, I was kind of still hanging on. I wasn't totally engrossed into it like I was before, but it was just yeah. kind of that. Like I said, being, being in your 20s, you still don't want to let certain things go. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, and, and being institutionalized even more, you got to hang on to. Exactly. You know? mm. Exactly. The last, the, the last draw, though, with that whole thing was something that's very important to what's going on today was um, I had a... a a case against the Harrisburg Police Department. Oh shit! And yeah, uh, because um, it was weird because he had gotten into a, a, a altercation with his girlfriend one night, and Who? during the time of the did you altercation, say, did you say a dude got into altercation? Or did you just say you? Because they kind of cut out. No, you must my have switched off. Of, oh, okay, your cousin got it. Yeah, my fault. It went off on my Bluetooth yeah, and my, yeah, yeah. my no, car no, it's turned. All it's yeah. all good. Because I was, I was about to say, I was like, I hope I'm not infringing on your time right now because we're going on an hour. No, you know, no. Gotta... Okay. All right. Cool, cool. No, no. I'm good, bro. Right. Um, So what ended up happening is that my cousin got into a fight with his girlfriend in the house. And uh, this was up on um, McClay Street, McClay Street Department, yep, McClay yep. Street Department. Um, he got into a fight with his girl up there one night. So I left. I'm like, man, look, I ain't going to stay here for this nonsense. I left. So all of a sudden, I realized that I ain't have my car keys. So I had to go back to the house. So I go back to the house. I knock on the door. A cop answers the door. And I'm like, he's like, yeah, who are you? And I'm like, look, you know, I tell him my name. I say, but uh, I'm just here to get the keys to my car. So he looks over at her and he says, uh, is this the guy that you had? Is this the guy that assaulted you? And she's like, no, it's not him. So I go to grab my keys. I'll get my keys. And I start walking out the door. This dude jumps on my back, tries to put me in like a headlock. So now here we go. I'm in the house fighting with two police officers. All of a sudden, Eight more cops rush in. They jump on me, start kicking me, got my head down on the ground. I gave myself up. I could have kept resisting and fighting back, but I realized, like, you know, at that time, it wasn't nothing I was going to be able to do. They already had me, you know what I'm saying? So 
it went down, but I was in here. It's funny because this one girl named Georgia that lived upstairs, she was laughing because when they was doing it, I was yelling like, yo, they trying to do me like Rodney King, yo. Like, like I was really yelling that, you yeah. know, and when I look back at it, it's funny. But so they ended up locking me up, man, on a $100,000 bail. I got out on bail and then I had to go and fight and take it to jewelry trial. So I took it to a 12, you know, I took it to 12, you know what I mean? And, um, I ended up getting found not guilty, but that story is just crazy because when people talk to me about <clears throat> what's going on now in our society, I know because I was a victim of police brutality. I had to sit and um, go through internal affairs and I did all of that. I filed, you know, charges against them and investigation against them because I'm like, you know, this lady told you that I wasn't the guy was no reason for you to have to try to jump on my back or put me in the head. Like, what am I supposed to do when another man jumps on my back yeah, and tries to squeeze the life out of me? Because he got a badge, that don't mean nothing. Especially, exactly. Especially if the woman already vindicated you of whatever they thought it was that happened. So, exactly. did he give a, so when it came out in trial, did he give a reason as to why he jumped on your back? Well, this is the funny thing. So all kinds of weird stuff started coming out in trial. So he was actually... And um, in the in the in the service, so he was somewhere fighting in the war mm. when you know what I mean. When this whole trial thing took place, so only one of the officers was there and was present for testimony and all of that stuff. But if you would have read the police reports, it was saying, you know, Mr. Wise came at us and he was swinging multiple blows causing our officers to dodge his blows and, and you know he had a broken finger and all of this so at, during the trial my, my attorney uh, Bob Barry rest in peace to Bob Barry um, he was my attorney he said um, hold on you said your officers was dodging my uh, you know my clients punches right <clears throat> and they was like yeah and he said well did you know that my client was a trained boxer so it was just kind of like mm. the people in the courtroom looking like, so if he really wanted to hurt your officers, don't you think that the officer would have ended up with more than just a broken finger? So they said, Mr. Wise, how did he end up with a broken finger? And I'm like, well, he ended up with a broken finger from him punching me upside my head, which is really what happened. Like, what did I do? Grab his finger and bend it? Like, <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah. So, yeah, it was it was crazy, man. I mean, it was it was the weirdest thing. And then, you know, once they came back with the verdict and found me not guilty, if I would have been thinking clearly, I would have kept pursuing the case. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would have took everything down. But I was just so happy that, you know, I had been vindicated from it. Yeah. That it was just like, Oh yeah, man. It was it was spooky for and me because like yeah. I said. And pursuing them yeah, costs money. I, that shit costs money. It, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> But yeah, I know that 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 people can be dirty, man. So anytime these things come up about people getting shot, unarmed brothers getting shot and killed out here, it's always very personal to me because I know that I could have been that person. Exactly. You know what I mean? I, I actually dealt with it. So when people say, "Oh, people don't cops don't do this to people," I'm like, "You have you ever experienced it before? If you never experienced it before, then don't try to tell me that it don't happen." Yeah, willful, you know what willful I mean? ignorance is what I say when it's like privileged white people who never been in even they haven't been more than around more than 10 black people their whole life 
And, exactly. You know what I mean? And all the police officers, all the police officers they know are probably like friends or relatives or something. You know what I mean? It's always those kind exactly. of guys that always play the willful ignorance. Like, oh, well, if you didn't do nothing, exactly. if you complied, da, da, da. I know plenty of people, I know plenty of uh, graveyards filled with people that complied. You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Here, you know, but real you know, talk. So that's just yeah. willful ignorance. But, um, oh, yeah, I meant to ask you that, too, though. How, how did the boxing start? Was that just in jail or just from you scrapping so much that somebody just take you under the wing and was like, hey, let me school you? Well, <clears throat> well when I was in D.C., my stepdad was uh, like a martial arts instructor. Mm. And he used to bring his, the gloves home and just like, that was part of punishment. Okay, punishment was part of, was, was boxing. That was part of his punishment. So you got this okay. grown man beating these kids up with gloves on, right? So uh, that was that's really what it was, right? So then you got um, my aunt lived up the street from Sugar Ray Leonard in Palmer Park, Maryland. Oh, shit. So, yeah, so like my bigger cousins, they used to go to Sugar Ray Leonard's gym and box. So that was my first introduction to boxing. But then when I came here and got into juvenile placement, at 14, um, I, I did um, some time out in Concern, which was in Coatesville. Mm-hmm. And I got introduced to the fight game through uh, Mike Schiraldi and this other guy named Skip. They took me to the gym, and I met Calvin Grove, who was the welterweight champion at the time. And that's how I got into the fight game. Got you, got you. Yeah, yep. even even to this day, you, are you still, like, registered as a boxer? Yeah, I, yeah, well, I mean, of course, you know, you got to get registered every so, you know what I mean? Like, if you're going to compete, if I was going to compete, then I would have to register again. Okay, okay. But, no, but I mean, I still train. I still train, like, you know what I mean? Oh, I saw you. You're Just still like, fucking uh, frolic. <laughs> yeah, I still train, bro. I still train, like, you know what I mean? Because it's just it's just a, a way of life for me now. It's more about health and staying alive, you know, living longer. Mm-hmm. And, um Diet. You know, and staying sharp too. Yeah, staying sharp too, man. Because I believe mind, body, and soul—they all go and they work in you know unison together. So, right. I mean, if I'm working my mind, you know, my body, my soul, everything is intertwined. So, yeah, I'm all about that. You're staying cool. physically fit. Cool, guaranteed. Cool. Um, moving, moving right along. I meant to ask you too. When that case happened, when the cops jumped on you and everything, what year was that? Because you said that you, was, was in doing... two thousand. Yeah, this was in like 2002, 2002, okay. 2003. Okay. Yeah. Damn, yep. Early 2000s. Yeah, man. Was it in a paper? Yeah. I don't know. I really don't, man. Because okay. like I said, my focus was crazy right then. You know, but Jay and them, like the night, <laughs> this is so weird. I had, um, you know how the, the open mic used to go, right? Yeah, the G-Man. I was on I was on trial during open mic, okay? So what happened is I came in and I rapped the night before my verdict was being announced. And I made this big announcement in the bar. I'm like, look, y'all, I may not be here tomorrow. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I'm on trial. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's all love. We had through a party, me and Jay, we had, had a party at my aunt's house. We had, like, rented out all this equipment. And we had this real big party the week that I was going to trial because we didn't know what was going to happen. You know what I mean? So we had this real big party, but it was like the early 2000, 2002, 2003, maybe. Yeah. And then once you you beat, all right, so you beat that, you get vindicated. 
Then after that, because I remember around that time, well, let me see, the 2002, 2003, yeah, they were still doing the Empire Dynasty thing, like, heavy. But then I remember there was a split with, like, J and C and then Todd and everybody kind of, like, split apart. And then what was my man's name? It was Avarice from Carlisle and uh, Mike Shiesty. That's his name. Mike Shiesty, yep. And Mike Scheiss, you, yep. you got along with all of them too? Because I don't know they was all part of well, Empire Dynasty too. That's how Av, I got along with Av. Mike Scheiss was still in jail at the time when I came along. Okay, okay. So, you know what I mean? Uh, but Av, yeah. And, but this is the thing. I never really had a serious relationship with them because my 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 alliance was with Jay. You know exactly. what I mean? And so that's why when the split happened, there was some feelings that was hurt because I chose to ride with Jay. And what I was trying to make the dude understand was dog. He the one who brought me on. You feel what I'm saying? So yep. if if I don't give him my loyalty, then I'm not keeping it real with myself. And that's why when people use that, keeping it real, keeping it real, you got to keep it real with yourself first. You know what I mean? Exactly. So for me, I didn't care about losing those other friendships because my loyalty was with Jay. So when Jay called me up and said, listen, he didn't, he didn't come at me like, yo, you got to come with me or any of that. You know what I mean? It was just like, he was like, yo, look, I'm, I'm about to leave the unit. I'm going to go and I'm going to start something new. Um, You're welcome to come along with me if you want. If you if you don't, you can stay with C. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I was like, bro, I'm rocking with you. You know what I'm saying? And, and is so, that how N, uh, MPT was born? Yeah, well, you know... MPT was the thing that it, it developed with the whole thing with cops. That's why if you if you talk to Jay, he'll tell you. So no peace treaty. There's no peace treaty, no police tactics, no political trust. And all of this oh, was born throughout the time. Yeah, that's all of this was born throughout this shit with the cops that I was going through, all of that. So I started saying that and speaking that all the time. You know what I mean? And I'm like, yo. This is what we should be. We should be no peace treaty. You know what I mean? And yeah, then it it, yeah. it, it it caught on, and that's what we became. So that's how okay. MPT came yeah. to life. I didn't know the rest of it, though. I, I knew no peace treaty. That was it. But I didn't know it, it meant all those other ones, too. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No <laughs> police tactics, no political trust. Yeah. So, uh-huh. And that's why, you know what I mean, if you listen to, like, some of the messages in the music, it's all there. And that's the reason why that, like, that became our mainstay, because it was like... Actually, there was other members of MPT. Oh, okay. I thought it was just Jay, you, Jay and IB. It was, but then we also had my cousin, um, my boy Shiz. You know, it was other members, but the problem was that we had so so much of a strong following the way that we was moving it that the other guys didn't want to move the same way we was moving. So it was kind of like, yo, you know, we can't have a split group. No peace treaty is no yeah. peace treaty. Either you with us or you not with us. You know what I mean? So, yeah, that's how it all came to life, man. Okay, okay, yeah, because I remember when he started, well, I remember Jay promoting that, and then that's when I started seeing you a whole lot more, too, around that time. Yeah. And, and I being, yep. I was like, okay, so you guys did your own thing. And then Mike Shiesty was in Carlisle Ave doing his own thing, and then Seabrook yep. was 
doing his own thing. Then he just said, fuck it, and just sold all his equipment and just stepped out of it completely. I remember yeah. that. <laughs> he just well, said, the, thing, the thing about it, Jay started Double Edge Records, and that's what he started Double Edge. When he started that, No Peace Treaty became a group on Double Edge Records. Got it, got it. See, I don't even yeah. remember that Double Edge Records part. I just remember yeah. seeing the MPT everywhere and the stickers and shit. I remember seeing that. Yeah, well, it became so it's so funny because yeah. But if you if you talk to Jay, he'll tell you it was all under Double Edge. That was the banner. You know what oh, I mean? Okay. Double Edge was the banner. No Peace Treaty was the group. <laughs> See, it, yeah. Shit, the way y'all promoted, you made me think No Peace Treaty is the label, the group, was everything. The, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's what yeah, I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. So then, so then, no, I, that y'all released a project though, right? Yep, yep, yep. Unauthorized release, we called it. Yep. Yeah, I remember that. Yep. Okay, so yep. you put out that project, and then did it did it get received well around here? Well, did it get well, received well? Yeah, we we did we we did pretty well, but at that time we was in the in the midst of um getting ready to to get a, a deal. So it was like we had did the Rock Him thing and all of that stuff was going on and so Jay had had it all set up where um the entertainment attorney that we had at the time was like, Yo, they want this work, they like what y'all got. But then that's what around the time when things started going sour with with IB and everything like that. So it was like some inner workings of things that basically in a nutshell, without getting too much into it, the labels, the people that was willing to try to work with us basically said, well, we can't do it with just the two of y'all because we, y'all are a group. You know what I mean? Got it. So... So, yo, so so when it started getting a little friction, uh, IB started sliding off, and y'all was thinking about just going in to deal with just you and Jay. Well, we was trying to, but by the we had already gave them a project that had three rappers on it. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> so it was kind of like, how can you give us a project where the, the third, where's the third person? Yeah, Brad at true. that time wanted to become a, uh, he wanted to do like a rock, he wanted to be in a rock band or something like that. Wow. You know what I mean? We Talk didn't. about transition. Yeah, it was, <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? That's why I said it was real messed up because it it, it, it kind of like, it, uh, it fractioned the relationships a lot because, you know, to be that close for all the hard work that you put in and then it just has somebody like right in the middle, you know, say, I want to go do this now. I don't want to do this anymore or whatever. You know, yeah. it's kind of rough on everybody. You know what I mean? I'm wondering, um, shit. I'm wondering if the label was looking at it like, damn, this is the perfect thing. We got a black guy, a white guy, and a Puerto Rican. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like, like a good like a good joke, like a start to a good joke or something. Damn. No, nah, real crazy. talk. No, nah, I believe that. I mean, you know what I mean? We had a real good mixture, man. We had real good chemistry, you know, what we was doing. But, you know, you know, yeah. I... <laughs> I could never put a better, like, say that I had a better time in my life, though, than, than those years that I had, you know what I mean, doing that music. And yeah. So that's why I guess now making the transition into what I'm doing now, yeah, it's kind of right. hard for, like, you know, yeah, Jay, Jay's always good because he's going to always do other things just like me. You know, Brett is a little bit harder because he, you know, he raps, and I guess, you know, that's really what he does is rap, you know what I mean? But yeah. You know, I, I always feel like that when you get to a certain age, a certain level in your life, you're going to always enjoy the music. You're going to always enjoy maybe going in and recording a song. 
here or there, but you got to kind of tr- find a new lane. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like and Jay, I, I guess that's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I always say, yeah, Jay will always be good because he always finds a new hustle. Because, I mean, after, exactly. the whole, after the whole MPT, uh, MPT thing, then next thing you know, he's coming to me like, yo, you ever heard about this crazy rap thing? And I was like, what? Yeah, yeah I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's with Amanda. And yep, yep, yeah, yep. and he's doing, you know, he's doing that. And I was like, and he was making yeah. money. He was getting it. Yeah. And then he pivoted yep. from that. I always, man, I'm calling Jay the prince of, uh, the prince of pivoting, man, because he, he yeah, stands yeah, man. The, the, the brother man. knows, the brother knows how to hustle. And that's why yes. me and him get along so well, because I know how to hustle too. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. And so it's like, when we, when we build, it's like, yo, what you doing? You doing this? Well, you know, it's a good feeling to know that your brothers is out here and we still being able to make it out here because it's tough. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. Um, I mean, and you got to find them lanes. Yep. I mean, uh, yeah, even when I think about that, when when Jay, like I've known Jay since I was fit, uh, 14 years old, like, you know, mm-hmm. like doing the, doing the Jehovah's Witness thing, slinging watchtowers yep. and shit. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and the funny thing is that yep. when I was first even thinking about making beats, Jay's the one that gave me my first piece of equipment was like an old little uh, mixer that had like a five second sampler where you could adjust the pitch yep. and speed it up and slow it down. Like he was the first one. And when I first yep. started making beats, Scott Selby was the one that told me to buy this Zoom sample track and he taught me how to make beats. But when I started getting good at it was when I bumped into Jay and everything and Marcus and them. I met them all at that Enola office for Empire Dynasty. You remember that? Oh, wow. 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 That's yeah. funny. Yeah. Right That's there was funny. when I met. That was when, because I knew Todd from the store in the mall and stuff like that from the clothing store and shit. So yeah, yeah, I went yeah. there. I went there and then I see Marcus walk in and at that time, I didn't know Marcus was Mr. Blackson. I always knew him as right. the, the the big dude from the bank because he always worked in right. the bank. <laughs> yeah. He always worked in the banks in the mall and shit. And then right, right. Jay, Jay told me to come to that show. I'll never forget this. I still have it on an old VHS tape too. And I brought my video mm-hmm. camera. It was at um, in New Cumberland, right across the street from the Holiday Inn. And that uh, it's a comedy zone now, but it used to be something else right there. It was a little. Oh home. yeah, yeah, yeah. I and, know what you're talking and about. They had mm-hmm. the show there, and that was the first time I heard Marcus. I was like, holy shit! He was like. Yeah, my boy Steve was like, "Yo, know who that is?" I was like, "I was like, yeah, he's the boy that worked for the bank." And he's like, "Nah, that's Mr. Black." So I was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> <laughs> and that's when, but that's when yeah. I first met everybody. That's when I met Mike Shiesty. I met IB. Wow. I met Avarice. I met then when I knew Todd. I, I uh, met C, and they told me to come to that office and stuff. And I was playing them some beats, and Jay was always my man, so he was like schooling me on stuff. And that's how everything started rolling. That's when I met Abdullah. I met everybody. At that one wow. office in Enola, man. Yeah, it's funny how this That's music. That's crazy. Shit, yeah, it's funny how the music shit take you a bunch of different ways, but also- it is, man. <laughs> like, like I said to you the other night, like when I see Marcus's son rapping now. Yeah. That's when I'm like, you know, it's time to sit down. You know what <laughs> I mean? And he's dope. You know what I mean? He's yep. dope, and I'm like, yo, his son is dope. Like, but I like seeing stuff like that. But that's whenever I say, okay, it's time to sit down, man. Like, you know, sometimes you can't stay at the table too long. You know what I mean? Like, you got to find a way. And like I said, you're going to always love hip-hop. You might always make beats. You know what I mean? I may go and record a song here and there, but when when you're doing it and you're trying to, like, get a record deal right now, I just, eh, 
Yeah, it just turns my stomach a little bit. Yeah, now you really don't. You know what I mean? And I always try to tell people this too. When you already established, like if you were Jay Z or somebody like that, then you can always come out with music and people gonna like it because they like, oh, that's Jay Z. Yeah, you already have a built-in following. Yeah, but if you Reggie, you know what I mean? <laughs> they like, yo, you know what I mean? Who is this guy? You know what I mean? 40-something years old, yeah. still trying to think he's the guy. It's just, you know. Yeah, there's a couple. It's almost like any other. Go ahead. Go ahead. Now, go ahead. You said, you know, you were saying it's almost like any other sport. Yeah, it's, it's there's only like a few, I'd say like maybe two or three MCs that came out later after that you thought that they were like, they kind of like resurrected their career. i say like, Mm-hmm. Royce Royce came out later and people were just like now getting on to him like in the last few yeah. years because he got with Premier and I was and a that. big Royce I've been a big Royce fan for years too that's, that's funny yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying like he, he's one of the few Rick Ross kind of started off later and shit because he's up to mm-hmm. the age he's older than me you know what I mean so yeah yeah you know there's a few that can pull it off but it those are unique those are unique situations but, right you but know. when you when you starting at forty something years old, it's different, you know. Yeah, as opposed yeah. to thirty, as opposed to thirty two or thirty three, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just a difference, you true, know. So true. But yeah, I always embrace the culture, though, for sure. Of yeah, course. definitely. But of course, hip hop is you know, all of us. The, exactly. But the, the 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 raw ice, the book, that's all a a, a, a major part of the culture too because it's a lot of that culture in the story you know what yeah, i mean in the book, um, so. it's, a, it's, it's a, an extra manifestation of it you know it's a manifestation of all exactly of it, you know what i mean you're still exactly. you're still using exactly. your brain you're coming up with you're probably not coming up with like rhyme patterns or nothing but it's still your brain right telling a story so yeah yeah there's some there, there's some slick talk in there though it's definitely yeah. some slick talk in yeah. there yeah, you know what i mean yeah, um, it comes full circle though man hip-hop man yeah is the ultimate i always say hip-hop is like the ultimate unifier that shit spread more than you know what i mean judaism christianity everything that shit spreads yeah. more than anything and it unites more people than literally anything else on planet earth you know what I mean? Guaranteed, bro. Guaranteed. You know? But yeah, so winding, so winding it up though. That's what I'm saying. We got <laughs> on this episode. We had my man Wise, fucking poet, stick up kid, boxer. <laughs> you know what I mean? No peace yeah, treaty yeah, affiliate. Talk, you know, writer, everything, man. That, that, that you have a crazy ride, man. Yeah, yeah, bro. You and it's, it's it's still going. It's still going. Well, always, so, you always. Know. So, so are you uh, you working on a, another book? Is that what you're gonna kind of focus on 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 writing? You know what I mean? Aside, yep. aside from everyday yeah, life, yeah, I'm and- um, I'm I'm actually almost finished with the second book. Got <clears> it. <throat> okay, cool. Uh, that that should be out probably next year sometime. Good. good uh, it's good. called The Night Chicago Died. Just put that out there. The All Night right. Chicago Died. You heard it here first. You know, just uh, yep. Exclusive. Sure. Don't overthink it. Podcast exclusive. You know. All right, all right. Well, wise, you know, thank you for giving me an hour and a half of your time. You know, <laughs> it, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, it's an hour and a half. Damn. Yeah, because I'm looking at the 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 joint right now, the time and everything. But yeah, this has been a definitely a, a dope episode, man. Um, plug your book in one last time. It's been out since you said March or May. It's been out since March. All right, and um, where can they pick it up if raw, they wanted it? Raw ice. Pennywise, you can get it at Amazon. You can get it at eBooks. 
You can get it at Barnes and Nobles. You can get it at any of those platforms. Raw Ice, Pennywise. Check it out. All right. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this has been, uh, like I'm always close the shit out the same way, but I'm going to try to change it up. But yeah, if you enjoyed this, man, go pick up his book, man, Raw Ice. Uh, Wise, uh, appreciate your time and everything, man. And shit, you're going to have to uh, school me on how to box because I can't fight for shit. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. Thanks, bro, for the time, man. Yeah, I appreciate man. you, bro. No doubt, no doubt. Um, I'm going to hit you up after I wrap this up and because um, uh, I need a couple, a little extra information so I could uh, make this good. I'm gonna, I want to ask for like the picture, uh, the cover art for the book and everything so I can promote it. And I'm going to put this episode okay. out. Dope. You know what I mean? So I can have this episode out for the book. All right. Dope, bro. All right, I appreciate you, man. All right, bro. All right, love. All right, love. Yeah, that's my man, Wise. Um, if you see, if you see a pattern of like me interviewing a lot of Harrisburg cats, and probably like, why the fuck is he interviewing Harrisburg cats? Expand farther, because there's a lot of hidden talent and hidden jewels in here, just like. Just like wise and shit, cause like I said, at first when I knew him, I was just like, oh, that's the boy. <laughs> you never seen him with his hat off. You never seen him. Uh, you never I always seen him with a do rag on or a hat on and everything. To me, that was always just a little funny joke. But then I know he was a boxer though. Like even when I asked Abdullah, it was like, oh, you talking about the boxer? And I was like, yeah. But he's an LMC. He he's pretty much been through it all, as you just heard. Um, I don't want to drag this out too long, but. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, you know, like, subscribe, comment. I hate saying it because everybody says the same shit, you know. It's, it seems cliche, but this has been another episode of the Don't Overthink It podcast. Thank you uh, for listening. Peace.